Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. Lobbyists have more offices in Washington than the president. You see, the president only tells Congress what they should do. Lobbyists tell them what they will do. That was a quote from Will Rogers, a TV personality in the early 20th century. And today we're going to be talking about lobbyists. The good, the bad, and the ugly. But before we get into that, Nick, how are you and what are you drinking? I am doing great. I got some triple Carmelite. It's a uh, Belgium beer, so it is the best kind of beer you know if i want to say america has the best x but this is one thing america's is not the best on i'll have to defer to our european brothers what about you mike what are you drinking now i know you're gonna make fun of me so that's why i wanted to save it till now but i'm drinking some uh tito's vodka with applesauce and it's actually really fucking good well i mean it's almost fall actually by the time this drops it'll be fall <laughs> <laughs> So is it heated up like a cider? No, it's chilled. So it's it's hot today. It's hot. It's, I'll be honest. When recording this, I wish I had like multiple fans pointed at me. My air is on. It's just hot and humid. So this is actually like a nice chilled drink, but still like sweet, but also gets me drunk. So it's a win-win. Uh, it's, it's pretty hot here on the coast. It's like 70 degrees. But Nick, you mentioned America is usually the best, except for that one beer, but America is pretty good at lobbying, I would I would say, and America has an interesting history with lobbying. Well, we we really brought lobbying into the multi billion dollar. Yeah, I almost said millions. Is. I had to stop myself. Billion dollar industry it is today. You're welcome, world. But lobbying is not anything new. It's been around before the United States. I mean, the act of bending a representative, an elected official a dictator, a leader's ear, whatever you want to call it, has been around since the beginning of time. A few different places. I mean, the the most interesting story, which isn't the true term of where lobbyists comes from, but is that Ulysses Grant used the term to call citizens who hung out in the Willard Lobby Hotel lobbyists because they'd wait in the lobby for officials to go to the bar and then have a drink with them and talk about whatever they wanted to. Where the real business got done. <laughs> yeah, where the real business got done. He just called lobbyists because I hung out there. But it's been found to be used before that, so he definitely didn't invent it. Yeah, very similar in the British history books in like 1700s. They also used the term lobby for similar reasons because people would hang out in the lobby. It's, I guess, the only way you can get a, your politician or representative is when they are entering or leaving because you'll never find them in their office they're kind of like tas if you think about it uh this is dumb what's a ta teacher's assistant college university oh okay uh I'd, i'd say it's more i mean kind of i see it none of none of my teacher assistants were ever in their office hours none of my professors were ever in their office hours so that's where i'm coming from yeah go okay i got you i got you yeah, so, I mean, I'm much more agreeable not at work. 
like when someone wants to talk about something I'm, I'd rather talk about something after work when, as opposed to when I'm trying to get something done. So I get it. That's, you know, that's a good time to talk. Like I run out, I work in the woods and I run out to people and they just want to sit and talk for an hour because they live in the middle of nowhere and haven't had anyone to see for a long time. It's like, okay, like I, I know, but I have stuff to do. So <laughs> yeah, so that, that, I mean, I get why lobbyists tend to talk to elected officials outside of working hours and in official capacity during working hours. So a lobbyist didn't always used to be an official position, but with the recent change of all sorts of campaign reform and how we're trying to regulate where money is moved and trying to keep as much money out of the United States political system as we can. Now people have to register as lobbyists. But also you don't if you just use a certain few words to say that you're not a lobbyist. And not registering as a lobbyist is probably more advantageous because you can do more things because you don't have to listen to the laws that garner lobbyists. It's all... Loopholes. Yeah, it's all made up and none of it really matters. But most of that came uh, in response to Jack Abramoff's kind of lobbying scandal. And for those of you who don't know who Jack Abramoff is, he was a lobbyist who bought politicians based on, you know, gifts, offering them jobs, or not just politicians, but politician staff in order to get whatever he wanted done. And it's funny because if you listen to what Jack Abramoff did and him talk about it, and then say you listen to an interview from uh, like Tony Podesta, who's like one of the bigger lobbyists, they do the exact same thing, but they, they use a few different words. So one of them got in trouble and the other didn't. And basically that's how politics in the u.s work i feel like yeah i feel like it's much like uh politics are similar to the crime world it's only illegal if you get caught yeah and i think okay so here's an example abramoff would go to say an elected official or their chief of staff and just be like hey when you're done here we have a job for you like come work for us whereas podesta would say if you ever think about you know retiring from politics or or you know taking another job come talk to us see he's not offering anything he's just saying in the future if you're thinking about it you're the kind of person we would want and we'll see if we have an opening for you there's no because of the way he phrases it it's not implied i guess i mean it is implied like we all know there's no difference but when you bring lawyers into it yeah it's all that wink wink nudge nudge instead of frank just being frank with someone which you know nick is my absolute favorite it's uh well i guess i guess hate the game not the player and yeah i hate the game <laughs> i think the game is a little bit disgusting but i i much like many people i imagine when i think lobbyist i kind of think of the movie thank you for smoking don't know if you saw that nick uh pretty much i think of lobbyists in suits fancy dinners kind of shifting money into their district to gain bills and votes i did not realize how 
branched off lobbying is? From what I saw is there's two main types of lobbying. There's direct lobbying and grassroots lobbying. Direct lobbying being the influence of legislation through communication with a member of the legislative branch. Grassroots is to influence legislation through an attempt or to affect opinions of the general public, of the segment of the public. And it tends to be, from what I saw, direct lobbying is more focused towards federally, and grassroots tends to be more state-based. There are different rules and different laws for lobbying federally versus state, or you can do both, just depending on your agency. But there are different tools in the tool bag, and it's it was quite eye-opening as we get further into the podcast of what a lobbyist is allowed to do and doesn't have to guarantee that it's accurate or the right thing. Yep. And so there's something I want to clarify here of kind of why are lobbyists important? One, we don't elect politicians based on their technical expertise. I mean, never, right? And when was the last time you've elected, you've gone to vote and instead of looking at like what they believe and been like, you know what, this guy, he really gets my industry or I, he's just so qualified at what he does. I'll be honest, Nick, I've never seen a politician's resume. I feel like that's the only job where you don't need a resume. Yeah, well, most times because they're not qualified to do anything. So there's <laughs> that. But politicians are not experts at most of the stuff that goes on in your district. I live in a relatively, quote unquote, like simple area. We have very few industries. We have fishing, timber, uh, like boat building, or 90 and like the hospital those four industries employ like 90 percent of the county so in agriculture which is pretty broad but i mean those four those five employ pretty much everybody so naturally you would think your politician would know one of the five right you would think all our politicians live in uh salem so salem or eugene so probably not but uh gotta love gerrymandering um no (laughs) They don't like none of them do because you can't know something like you have to be specialized in that. That's what we talk about all the time. This podcast is how specialized our world is, how even in my own industry, I'm a specialist at one thing and not like a generalist. So politicians can't be specialists in everything, even if they were the people we wish politicians would be. It'd still be super hard to understand the ins and outs of every industry. So they do need someone that can give them some information. Now, the which is good, like it's important to seek out help if you don't know something. I think we can all agree that that is important. Where it starts to get murky is who is presenting that information and what information are they presenting. Well, before you before you get a little into that, I do want I just want to say lobbyists cannot directly give money to bureaucrats or politicians. So how lobbyists influence politicians is like which the the avenue you're going down, Nick, is knowledge. Knowledge is power for everyone, but especially politicians. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you there. Well, that, and they can also, they can't give money to their campaign, but they can host a benefit that all the money goes to their campaign. Oh, yeah. I'll I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. So, get, okay. so they give them information on whatever subject, say like the timber industry, you're going to get a lobbyist from the timber industry is like, hey, 
it's getting really hard with these regulations. It'd be helpful if we could change this to allow for this or, you know, same thing in agriculture or pharmaceutical, like any industry. And I think probably at some point there was a place where I like to imagine that it was like the people in that industry were the ones talking to the representative, elected official, what have you. But now, due to the corporate influence, and I say corporate influence because there's lobbying firms, and so what you do, say if you are a environmental group and you want some legislation passed, you go to a lobbying firm and say, I want, you know, how can you help me get this outcome? And they'll say, we can do it for X amount of money or, you know, maybe not something like that, but say like, we can get this, the information you want, put it in a package that will be easy to comprehend and get it to the players that can do the most good. I don't exactly know how, you know, what they're guaranteed. So step in if, if you know, Mike. Well, when it comes to legal stuff, I know there's no guarantees. And technically, I think that would be illegal to guarantee that you can completely sway a person's opinion. You might you might be able to guarantee... Uh, this is just talking on my ass, but I don't think you can guarantee that, but I can. I bet you you can say like, well, based on this percentages with this budget, this is our game plan, and this is our percentage of most likely of it succeeding, so to so to speak. Uh, is you that's mentioned- that's what I would imagine as well. I would I that's why yeah I agree. I think it would be pretty shady if they could guarantee something, but I I don't know. You never know. Well, they might wink wink nudge nudge guarantee of because. Uh, but I think if your pockets are big enough. I have some examples later on that shows even some deep pockets sometimes get screwed over. But like you said, most lobbying is now done by organizations. I believe there's like around 300 lobbyist organizations that represent more than, I think it's 12,000 companies or 12,000 organizations. So it's like it's a one to four ratio of a lobbyist firm to organizations almost, which is scary to think about how you might have one lobby doing one lobbyist firm doing 40 different companies and they might be contradicting each other. It's just take who's got the higher money. I imagine in a firm they try not to do that, but if the paycheck's good enough, I I can't imagine the people on K Street would say no. Oh, and um, I'll probably say this a couple times throughout the podcast. K Street is where most of the lobbyist firms are in Washington, D.C. It's the same thing as Wall Street for financial district in New York City. So K Street, lobbyist, Wall Street, finance, New York City, just K Street's in D.C. Yep. Can't yeah, I can't believe we didn't hit that in history. But let's see. So where is it going? So you have these officials who need some information, and I guess to me, okay. So the way these firms get the information to the officials is they have to build up a rapport with them, right? So they do things like we talked about to win their favor, which we'll go into more in depth later, and then they will present them information and. As someone who works in an industry that's misrepresented a lot, I'm trying not to dig on the lobbying industry too much because I know how it feels like when everyone hates you. Um, and I guess, and that's why I, I 
like under I say I understand like why this why we need this and how it needs to get done and why it needs to get done and the importance of it. And so, you know, your your lobbyist has gotten favor and he's going to present the information that whatever group wants him to present and the people who I know who work in the lobbying industry say that cuz you you know, you ask like, well, like what information are you presenting? And they say that because it is, you know, like we said, you have to gain favor with the politician. So you have to build a personal rapport with them as well as present them true information. And so their argument is that if someone presents bad information, like just a complete fabrication or whatever, then that you will be, you know, not a preferred lobbyist you'll you'll ruin your reputation and you won't work in Washington because you're a a liar that's and it sounds right right like it sounds like it could be true i don't it sounds like the right thing to do i don't think it's the right thing i don't think it actually happens though it's just like i've never heard of anyone getting kicked out of washington for being a liar unless it was under oath even then that's rare that's true i mean clinton still is <laughs> Still around. Which one? Well, um, only one of them was impeached due to perjury. Oh, I was thinking, never mind. Who else? Per- there's some. There's another famous perjury case I can't think of. Well, I was thinking of Clinton with the all the deleted emails flying under oath. Still around. I mean, I mean, you're just proving my point more. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Fair. Fair enough. I. I'll I, mean, be I, don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if my point was that you can lie in Washington or the Clintons are bad, but either way, I think they're both stand. Yeah, I I don't. It's good. In, it's good in ideology, bad in practice. But there's another point of information that you've kind of neglected, which is they don't lobbyist group do not have to give the information directly to the organization, the politician or the bureaucrats. Another way they can do it is like the grassroots kind of route, It was just quote-unquote inform the public. So uh, lobbyist groups are completely allowed to back up, to, to make commercials, and they have to kind of sort of back it up to say what they wanted to say. They can show certain topic, to- certain, certain topics, certain studies, which many government organizations don't have the financial budget to do, or the politicians don't actually care if it actually gets done. So... I mean, it's you can sway the public's opinion through information, therefore putting political pressure on a politician to change legislation in a different way. It doesn't have it, the information does not have to be such a direct one-on-one with the lawmakers and the lobbyists. It can be with the lobbyists through the public, and the public influences the politicians. Yeah, I mean that's that's how it's supposed to work, right? The politicians are supposed to be influenced by the people that they represent because they're elected officials and they work for the public. It is, but then again, you have now the public being influenced by an organization that's paid off. I mean, that's essentially the same as advertisements. Yeah, no, I I I agree with that statement. It's... I mean, you're. I don't think you're ever going to get away from that. I mean, I mean, this this is me personally. Like, I'm not going down a hole elected or whatever election rabbit hole but like in 2016 when they said that the russia helped 
the Trump campaign by buying Facebook ads. It's like if your opinion was swayed by a Facebook ad. What are you doing with your life? What, yeah, what the fuck? You know? Um, obviously, ad campaigns work because we drink milk, we eat bananas, the whole thing. You know, all that shit. Um, I, I personally like that much more than I like buying a politician. Oh, completely agree. I don't like closed doors, at least when it's out in the open. It could be disguised. It could wear a ghillie suit, but it's out in the open. You can still spot it if you're looking for it. Behind closed doors, you will never be able to spot it. And another reason why it's so this information game is so powerful is many politicians are too focused on getting reelected to gather research for different for how people feel about bills, laws, polls, finding experts, et cetera, et cetera. It's, I, I mean, the politician game is just focused on staying elected, not so much on being, like you said, Nick, in the beginning, being experts on very specific things in your district so that you can make an informed decision. You kind of pay people to get that informed decision, which kind of makes sense, but it also seems a very wide open door for influence that could be negative. Yeah, and here, this is a something I'll... I didn't exactly know where to tie it in, but I think it'd be a good spot here. So I think it was 2016, uh, Newt Gingrich championed a rule or law about basically that in the federal funding, they reduced the number of staffing in elected officials' offices. Now, I, I don't exactly know what the purpose of this was, but I'm assuming the purpose is to reduce how much we spend and also if you reduce how much work people can do you reduce how many laws can be passed not what happened okay so what happened is now elected officials no longer had time to write their own laws so lobbyists would do the work for them and just this is what should be written this is what we think would be good because they don't have time to do it themselves so essentially took, again, always in favor of shrinking the federal government, but it should also have been not in favor com- of bribery, <laughs> but not yeah, not in favor of bribery. <laughs> so it's like, I, I applaud the effort. And, and I, I mean, right, like, that's what ha- that's what you would think would happen is, oh, I have less people, I can do less. No, more laws were passed now, like than you than used to be, we just upped it. And now we're not looking at all the stuff we're pat. It's, it's a mess, and the road the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Boy, ain't that the truth? To give you some figures about that, uh, in recent years, most election cycles are two years for most offices here in the United States. Uh, about ten thousand bills are introduced within that two year span, and with each state having their own definition of lobbying. The amount of words, phrases, plain out bills being written for that, that it's it's astronomical. I, I it, The thing is, it's not just for when we think of senators and congressmen. It's also for mayors, governors, FBI headquarters. It's for every agency, bureaucracy, and politician, both on a state level, local level, to a federal level, all getting laws written for them by lobbyists and lawyers so essentially we elect someone to do a job they don't have time to do what they think is all their job 
so someone's going to do it for them who we did not elect, who maybe doesn't have our best interest at heart. Yes, your taxpayers are being used to pay a guy who doesn't want to do his job. That makes me sad. Well, what's what pisses me off is that it's like... How does it grind your gears, Nick? <laughs> well, it's, su- it's, uh, like, it's such a good, you know, like, say... Uh, not that I'm a huge Newt Gingrich fan, but, like, you think... Like, I got him. We reduced our staffing. We're going to pass less legislation. The next Congress after that was an increase in 6%. And then the one after that was an increase in 8%. Like, it's, we're just going up. We're just continually passing more, except for, well, it's ongoing. It doesn't count. So, yeah, we're just, we reduced the staffing and now it's just going up. So, I feel like it's just bulls on parade. And it, the, this is, this is what tear, tears me up inside, Mike. Is the solution more government employees? Well, before we get into philosophical, I want to stick on the actual ins and outs of lobbying. I know. I just, I wanted you to know I'm in pain. Nick, we're talking about the government. I have a whole fifth of vodka next to me. It's not going to be enough. But I want to discuss the Iron Triangle. No, not the Bermuda Triangle. It's, uh, it's not where planes disappear. It's where your money disappears too. So imagine a triangle. You have interest groups, bureaucracy, and Congress. And it's kind of like a mutual assured destruction, but also you scratch my back, I scratch your back triangle. Interest groups give lobby support to bureaucracy. Bureaucracy gives policy cohesion to Congress. Congress passes friendly laws to the interest groups. And going the other way around the triangle, interest groups give election support to congress congress gives more funding and political support to the bureaucracy bureaucracy gives more low regulation to the interest groups now the reason why i'm bringing up interest groups is interest groups is an organization that attempts to influence policies in their beliefs or favor and those are what leads into lobbyists so you could say Yes, these companies, these companies I'm about to use as an example have lobbyists, but these are just examples to fill in the blank. Google and Apple are an interest group in technology, so to speak. But you also have other interest groups like the NRA or AARP. Those are also interest groups. And they use their skills to pay for, buy, and use lobbyists to influence better things for their beliefs. And... It's a very interesting thing to me because, yes, we talked about information for lobbyists. And lobbyists, like I said, aren't allowed to give direct money to politicians. I think, if I remember correctly, lobbyists legally are only allowed to give up to a $5 gift to a politician. Which I find, why $5? Not quite sure. It's because you can't even afford a drink in Washington for $5. That's why. All right, fair enough. And not in this economy. Yeah, well, yeah. Lobbyists are allowed to pay for media campaigns, find and pay experts to testify on topics, set up fundraisers, set up PACs, and find people to donate. The one that scares me the most was the experts to testify. I mean, let's be honest. We've all seen those commercials. Nine out of ten dentists think blah, 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 blah. To be honest, that 10th dentist might have just been been paid very well to say no. 
or something like that. It's like horror nine dentists were paid very well to say yes. Yeah, it it could go both ways. It's kind of very dangerous. And if there's one thing I've learned from doing this podcast is that I can make statistics say whatever the fuck I want them to say oh, because yeah. they're statistics and they're not really real. I mean, they're real, but I mean, it's pretty much just propaganda. Like, if you know numbers, you can manipulate any outcome the way you want it. There's a quote I came up with years ago, whether it was for writing for a university or just in my own writings, but math gives you the answer, but it doesn't tell you the whole truth. I feel math, it's so, I'll be honest to you, Nick, as an engineer, seeing math being used so dirty, it's just, it's just disappointing. But going back to uh, what other lobbyists can do to get money, Fundraisers, packs, paying for uh, media, and can and uh, finding people to donate—huge part of lobbying. They can't pay someone directly, but they can find someone who can. So I was looking up when researching this the definition of a bribe versus a lobbyist, and this is this is not exactly what I found, but I broke it down because to me they were pretty much the same definitions. A bribe is mostly going directly A to B with usually an individual level. Lobbying is indirect A to B and usually at an organizational level. So as long as it's done through an LLC, Nick, it appears to be legal. Yeah. Isn't that uh, the, what the Citizens United case said? I don't. I'm not familiar with that case. That was, yeah. I mean, I don't want to get too far into it because I'm not super technical on it. But pretty much, I I think that was one of the major cases that judges used to look at to deciding, like, lobbying and campaign law finances. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Was that and the... that was the corporations are people. Oh, I'm familiar with that term. For some reason, I was thinking of the Lobbying Disclosure Act. But another thing I mentioned that lobbyists are really good at doing is PACT, a political action committee which can handle donations, funds, going to political offices, runners, or current politicians. And here's the fun part, Nick. Lobbyists can technically and legally both be a PAC organization and a lobbyist group at the same time. So it's pretty much which which headline are you using on the paper you're sending your money to. Yeah, that seems right. And also a fun fact, for PACs, Salaries of the people running the pack usually make up most of the spending for the pack. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's like, it's crazy because I know, like, n no one I'm, like, personally, but, like, you know, friends of friends who work for nonprofits and, like, packs and stuff and make just ungodly amounts of money. And, I like, I, I get it. You know, if you're good at your job, you should get paid. But it just seems weird when someone who works for, like, a nonprofit just makes fucking bank. One, I don't, that's, the whole nonprofit people making a lot of money is really weird to me. But for PACs, it's, that's also really weird to me. They're both donations going to an organization, and that money's not going where you think it's going. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know what I didn't look up that'd be interesting is, do how much do average Americans donate to PACs? Do you know? I do not know, but it is very interesting. Uh, 
I I don't know how I came across this, but I was looking through packs, and it's amazing how many people who've donated to the packs of the current administration are now currently employed by the current administration. So I guess that answers my questions about how many average Americans actually donate to PACs, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, if I remember correctly, it's not hard to form a pack. I think it costs like $300 in the form to fill out, but you have to donate $1,000 plus, which for these giant organizations and groups is nothing. But I'll be honest, Nick. I don't have $1,300. I can just donate to whoever I want. Yeah, and I mean, uh, so Americans themselves donate more money, like individual Americans donate more money than any anyone else in the world, including our own government. We, United, U.S. citizens give away more money than our government does. Now, that was pre-2022, so the numbers might be up in the air now, but... They give that away to charity. I don't know, according to um, whatever poll you're at, between 5 to like 15, 12% is what I saw for how many Americans donate to political like campaigns. So, so we, do, we don't care, I guess, what it seems like. I mean, we don't care with our money. Well, no, of course not, Nick. We, we just print more. I mean, but that's a great sign, right? Like, we're much more willing to give people money if they need help, but we're not willing to really help politicians. If anything, that makes me proud to be American. Yeah. That that, that sentence right there is, we're willing to help if we can, but we're not helping the politicians. Well, I mentioned that lobbyists can be a PAC organization. They can also be an interest group. The main interest, the difference between interest groups and lobbyists is for the most part, interest groups are a membership organization that also shape policies, gather info, and add language to bills and regulations. But lobbyists usually aren't a paid membership. So a great way to think about this is ARP. ARP is an, technically an interest group because they have a paid membership and they're trying to influence stuff, but they have lobbyists in that interest group to influence the politicians for the interest group. So the answer is it works both ways. A lobbyist can have interest groups and interest groups can have lobbyists. They're just changing the words to suit their needs. It's kind of like uh, in the very beginning, Nick, when you said one guy got in trouble for saying X, the other guy said got in, did not get in trouble because he had said X plus one. That's pretty funny. I was about to come and not correct you, but like, be like, yeah, one guy said X and one guy said X minus one. <laughs> I like to think that I am slowly turning you into a nerd. Or am I turning you into a regular person? I, I, don't, I don't think you could physically do that, Nick, with, all the year, with how many years I have left. There's no way you could actually do that. All right, we're in a time frame is what you're saying. <laughs> well, speaking of an interesting time frame and numbers, in 2011... There were six healthcare lobbyists for every one politician elect in Washington, D.C. Can you imagine six It's way worse now. Oh, it's probably way worse now. But can you imagine six, pe six well, we'll just say six plus people coming to your offices going, we need this, this, and this. Here's the information. Make it happen. 
Honestly, it kind of sounds like extortion. I forget what year it was, but whatever year it really pretty, I mean, somewhat recently, I'd say in the last like 15, 20 years, there used to be like a few lobbyists and big businesses would buy those lobbies. But now most big businesses have like their own full-time lobbyist. Like Google's got lobbyists. Amazon has lobbyists. If you want, Nick, retainer, like full time. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I have some of the largest lobbyist groups currently right now, which are Facebook, Amazon, NCTA, which is the Internet Television Association, Business Roundtable, Blue Cross Blue Shield, National Association of Realtors. Those tend to be big ones, like the consistently in the top 10. Uh, the top 10 changes on based on what website and which information where you get information, but those those were consistently throughout. Yeah, no, I 100%. It's cr- I also saw that, and I I understand housing is a huge market in the U.S., but it's just it's crazy that the American Association of Realtors is like consistently, and I saw that too, consistently one of the higher ones. Um, I actually have a theory of why. Shoot. Banks. Re- uh, banks have a huge influence on the real estate market. I mean, look at the 2008 crash where they were taking mortgages and taking funds and putting them in. So they were taking shitty shitty in- uh, people with uh, bad ratings, mixing them into giant groups to make it better ratings because it's diversified. It seems like the Associated Realtors was a is a chess piece for banks. Like, I I get that, but is mortgages banks' main income? No, it's not their main income, but think about when the but housing market crashed in 08. See, you'd think you'd see, like, a financial, you know, whatever, lobbying firm ahead of realtors. Like, I, I 100% understand what you're saying. Well, also... Don't think of banks as just a traditional, you know, go down to the bank and go to the ATM and withdraw or or deposit money. There are different types of banks, which we've gone over in different episodes. There's also entire firms and finance firms that bet on banks and that are directly influenced with banks of insurance policies, of a, a business loans, of all that stuff. That all ties into real estate. I mean... Location, location, location. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like you'd see them trying to, you know, not that they're high, but lower FDIC standards. And, like, that doesn't seem like something the Association of Realtors is going to accomplish. But I I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I have no idea. (laughs) Anyway, don't trust them. Well, speaking of don't trusting, I have a very funny example. Uh, So this is... You got to move forward to go backwards. So stay with me for half a second. In the last six, the in the first six months of 2022, Apple spent 4.6 million dollars on federal lobbying, which has happened to coincide with federal investigators alleging alleging that a monopoly behavior was happening, and many of Apple's lobbyists were targeting antitrust bills. Back up a little bit in the year 2022 is when Apple kind of got caught red-handed, but yet nothing happened. Thomas Meyer, quote-unquote, allegedly promised to donate 200 iPads to Santa Clara Sheriff's Office in exchange for four concealed firearm licenses for Apple employees. An Apple spokesman 
commented saying, and I quote, we expect all of our employees to conduct themselves with integrity. After learning of the allegation, we conducted a thorough internal investigation and found no wrongdoing, end quote. And from the quote unquote donation of 200 iPads, no, no punishments were given. Like that's, come on, that's, that's caught red handed with your hand in the cookie jar and nothing happened. There's just so many conflicting, I, I don't even. Also, why is the ATF not going after Apple for trying to bribe to get concealed firearm licenses? Well, the ATF only shoots dogs, so. Or gets tased. <laughs> Sorry, it was too low hanging fruit. I had to. Yeah, I, I mean, California is like the most corrupt state, so. I mean, they're they're putting Chicago to shame, honestly. Yeah, it's fine. We got them beat with murder still. Yeah, you, bringing home that W, huh? Yeah. Well, speaking of losses and wins, Nick, you would think there would be an organizations to have checks and balances about lobbying and making sure that legislative groups in Congress was spending the money correctly, right, and not taking bribes, right? You would think we wouldn't need an organization to ensure that our elected officials were not taking bribes, but continue. Well, I'd never heard of this organization until researching this, so this is brand new to me. But first established in 1921 is the Government Accountability Office, GAO. It's an independent and legislative agency that monitors and audits government spending and operations. They are sometimes called Congressional Watchdog. Nick, I hate to tell you this, but I believe that Watchdog has fell asleep on the job. I have never heard... Were they created in response to the New Deal? I could not tell you that. I have no idea. This is, again, new information for me. I've never heard about this organization. And I actually had a hard time figuring out if the president of the GAO, or if it's even called a president position, was elected or appointed. Definitely appointed. Doesn't that seem a little conflicting interest? A The person who's supposed to check to make sure you're spending money right and getting money right was put in a position by you? And, I, f- I mean, I, that's how every single <laughs> one of these things runs, isn't it? it? They're all appointed positions appointed by the same people. Yeah, it's a vicious circle. The only thing I couldn't find that was not... Uh, bought and paid for by American money was the Chinese lobbyist, which is officially the biggest foreign lobbying group in America. And I'm willing to bet it's the biggest unofficial lobbying group in America. Uh, But I have no idea how international lobbying is. I mainly focused on grassroots, which is changing the public's opinion and usually on a state level. And I focused on federal, which is usually direct lobbying. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I really saw is that it seemed like Australia had a pretty similar timeline. Like early 2000s wasn't a huge lobbying industry, and then something happened mid-2000s, and now it's like a huge industry just like us, and I feel like it's probably about the same for everywhere else. And I think, I mean, just, I, I don't know if it's because, so the argument is that for every $1 a corporation spends, they save like $600 or make $600. So it's economical to pay for lobbyists. Now everyone's getting a cut of the pie. 
or similar to government bureaucracy, you create so many loopholes to jump through. You have to have so many different people who can nav help you fill out the paperwork to navigate all the different loopholes that you are filling out. So I, I could see it going either of those ways, that it's becoming a lesser known secret or due to regulations, people have had to hire more people to make sure they're in compliance. I think it's more of the latter, and I really don't think they're trying to keep it a secret anymore. I think they're just in such positions of power where they can be brash and bold and not necessarily have to do it behind closed curtains. I mean, let's be honest, Nick. How many laws were made during cocktail cocktail hour in some room that we'll never see or know about? Probably 80% of them. That's that's a really good. I was I I was thinking about the exact same number there. Right. I mean, I mean, to be fair, I also think about work when I'm not at work. Right. And so like how much would how much do you think would be passed without lobbyists or how much do you think would be, you know, a few guys talking after work? Probably pretty high. Right. I, I'd say probably most of the work is still going to be done outside of work, at least 50 percent. So center, center, center. Can I get a moment of your time? We're having this fundraiser. It'll be good. There'll be a lot of people you can meet and stuff. I just want to catch your ear and catch you on little things. You know, shake some hands. You'll 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 probably get some people to help you get some money next year. If you just just come on by, sit next to me at the table. That's gotta happen a lot. Oh, I think it happens all the time. So it begs the question, how in the hell is lobbying legal? Well, it's brought up and it's it's been brought up multiple times. And lobbying is protected underneath the First Amendment, apparently. And another thing that protects... Well, it's freedom of speech. You're, you're free to tell your representative so things that concern you. I mean, that should be... Things that concern your client. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean I'm not, I'm not opposed. Like, I, I no, do I, think it does fall under the First Amendment. I agree with you. I think it also falls underneath the First Amendment. But it's also protected underneath the Lobbying Disclosure Act, which was kind of the first time, I think it was happened in 94, if I remember dates correctly, where it's the first time lobbyists had to show their spending and politicians had to show how much money they were getting from lobbyists. And that then made it the shuffle game of moving money around and going through secondhand organizations. Because though a lobbyist group cannot pay for a politician like a mayor, or governor, congressman directly there's nothing to stop a lobbyist group from paying front to his wife's business to her husband's business to her son's business to his son's business it's that's all completely legal you just can't do a direct payment to that one individual no law against an organization that the politician wants or any of the politician's family members so i mean Paul Pelosi didn't get rich on his own. <laughs> well, I mean, actually, he did. He's, I'm pretty sure they're from a rich family. But that's not the point. It's not the point of the joke. Well, Nick, I think we both agree that lobbying is kind of good idea, but poor in principle. Uh, sorry. That lobbying is a good idea, but poor in execution. When, uh, when conflicted about government agencies and laws, I, whether it's good or bad, I tend to go back to the ancient times. Or our founding fathers. And James Madison was in pro of lobbyist groups. He thought more groups meant less likely for one group to have a huge sway in our government. Again, good idea in principle, but poor in execution. And to me, instead of it being many against the government, 
it's either you join the government or it's a Highlander situation where there can only be one one true lobbyist to rule them all. So are you saying that... Do you agree, not interest groups, lobbyists? I, I'm, getting, I'm getting your opinion, Nick. Do you think lobbyist groups and organizations are good? I'm not counting interest groups, not counting PACs, just solely lobbyist groups. So the question is net good or net bad right like i yeah i mean my answer is great thought could have been done better right but like they do i mean like americans love an underdog there's always an underdog case you know small movement buys a lobbyist gets what they want done against bigger money it's going to happen how often it happens i mean you tell me if i had to guess not not as often as we would like I think there definitely needs to be some, I, I I would prefer it to be cleaner, but I don't really see a way to do that. Now, and getting, this is off topic a little bit. The reason this is so important is because the federal government is so important. The federal government stopped making so many laws, stopped doing so many things, stopped being stretched so thin, this wouldn't be an issue if the federal government wasn't if we had a smaller federal government, we wouldn't need all these people lobbying the federal government. The richest area in the world, or the richest county, whatever the fuck, is Washington, D.C., because that's where all the money goes, and that's where it gets disseminated from. If the federal government was not as powerful and more power is given to the states, that wealth spreads to the states. Now, there's still going to be lobbyists, but you're going, you're, you can't... If lobbyists were more centered in the states, you wouldn't see the concentration of wealth and money in Washington. You wouldn't see the concentration of specific interest groups. You would see a lot more diverse interest groups like what we were talking about with a lot balancing out the few. So, I mean, do I have a good answer on that? No, I, I don't think so. I think I just avoided the question. Well, I'll double down. Do you think lobbyists do more good or more evil? Or do you think they that's just a tough each other part? Out? I mean, so, I mean, I'm gonna say probably more evil, and the reason I say that is, say they might do good, right? Like I work in the timber industry, I know there's lobbyists for the timber industry. They might get what I want done, but I don't like the way they do it. I would rather our elected officials, who are represented, who are elected to represent our local issues help our industry which is not what happens lobbyists find people who are who would who are who have an open ear whatever to it would align with their values oh your your polls look a little low this year you might lose that election it, you know this information or us having this extra budget might be able to sway the public in your favor and, and target them to get what they want done and, and this is my whole problem with the lobbyists is that lobbyists are good, right? In the sense that they can get information to politicians. Lobbyists are bad in that they put a price tag on getting information to politicians. I'll give you an example. My elected official, after uh, Afghanistan fell, I wrote to them basically like, what, what the fuck? In much nicer terms. And do you know how long they took to respond, Mike? Six months? No, they they beat that. Three and a half months. 
oh shit half the time i was thinking which like i get that was an extremely busy time right but what really grind your pisses gears me off is that you know they were talking to all these other people right like and you know they didn't respond one of their staffers responded so like they didn't have the time to send an email over an issue where Americans died until three and a half months later through, you know, one of their staffers. But you know they're having dinners, meals, drinks with these people. I can't believe and I'm so, doing this. Yep. But to play devil's advocate, I can understand why. It's the needs of one individual or the needs of a lobbyist group, which is a group. You can speak to one individual who might represent 30 people or talk to one person. It seems a much more efficient time use to talk to the larger mass representative and the one that has more power. It just seems like a very smart power move and time management. Not saying it's a great thing, but it I can't believe I'm saying it, but it kind of makes sense. No, and I agree. And I guess what would be if I got like in person, like a personal email back instead of a form letter back, understandable. But you could tell a lot of people wrote in about this, so they just drafted like a form letter and sent it out. And if you're going to send a response as a form letter, three and a half months, like not going to cut it. Oh yeah, no, uh, no, no. That 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 doesn't make sense. If it, if they're just copying and pasting, then that doesn't make sense. Yeah, and so. But no, I mean, you're right that it is more efficient to talk about that, but... You don't have to like it. <laughs> you, I don't have to like it. And how do I know those lobbyists are even something that pertains to what my officials, their will, their, you know, their job detail is, right? Like like I said, we have a, five industries, 90% of the county. You know, he's if he's going to be working on laws that have nothing to do with what we're what's going on in Coos County, like that shouldn't be, that should not take priority. And I think that's where the problem is, is that they can find people to do it, which has nothing to do with what they're, you know, when I think of someone who's elected to represent my area, I think of a, like, like I said, a few things that small rural communities like that we do fishing, farming, logging, like shipbuilding, the hospital, those are the, the big ones. So if we're ruling on stuff that has no concern to us, like if he's working on stuff that isn't in those five or, you know, something else that impacts us, it's like, to me, that feels like a betrayal. Now, Mike, in those three and a half months, now granted, it could be, you know, responding to more people. How much of his, of the elected officials time do you think was spent on stuff that directly pertained to his constituents. 20%, if I had a guess. Right? And I think that's the issue, is that people, because of lobbyists, feel that they aren't being represented. So you kind of tie this in with the question I asked you of, is lobbying, does lobbying do more good or evil? I think I agree with you that currently lobbying does more evil. But I think... It's still kind of in its infancy stage. Yes, lobbying has been happening since governments formed. Always someone has wanted the king's ear. But this is kind of like the first time we have it where in this system, I mean, especially with the internet, that changes the game completely. 
honestly, if Lobbying was treated more like a public company, like lobbyists were forced or regulated to show their spending to the public to see where money is going to. I think that would change a lot of things because money talks. Well, I guess this this is what's concerning, right? Like you said, money does talk, but the point of an representative democracy and having elected officials is we're trying to keep money out of it, right? So say, you know, like you said, 30 people in my representative's area want something and they pay a lobbyist, but I, I don't want that thing, but I don't pay a lobbyist. Should their voice or say one guy pays a lobbyist and I don't pay a lobbyist, I write a letter. Should that voice matter more than mine because I didn't want to spend money to do it. And I think that's the 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 very crux of the issue with lobbying. No, I, I agree with you, but I can very simply point that out where it's good in ideology, a one-to-one, but if the person has more money, they have more power than you. Their voice is louder. It's, it, I hate to tell you this, Nick, but it's going to... Oh, it's been that lobbyists. way from the beginning of time. Yeah, I, like that, that's not... Cha- I don't think money's ever going to leave the game. But if we can make the money more in the open so people can follow and trace the money, that would be, I think, a huge more influential thing for the people. You can see how the lobbyists spent on a survey, and you can see where a lobbyist is devoting their money and resources to. It kind of get it's. It's looking into your opponent's head. It could be your ally. It could be your opponent. But looking to see where they come from. They're, I mean, a major... And critics- so I guess the the two major problems with I see with that is one, defining lobbyists. Like, let's go back to... I th- is, Newt, I th- is, is Newt Gingrich still in office? Or is he a lobbyist now? Because I think it was him. Is one of those head of, you know conservative party circa 16 15 kind of era who's now a lobbyist but not a lobbyist what they they have like a membership program like a yep that's an interest group then but they perform lobbying i mean essentially they that's 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 an interest group an interest group like i said their membership is elected officials yeah i mean and then they take them out to dinner and shit because they're part of the group. It's lobbying without having to register to be a lobbyist. So you you have that. And then my other argument is we've seen all of Nancy Pelosi's stock trades. Her we know she's it's not her own. No, her. I mean, we've seen hers. We haven't seen her husband's. We know she's engaged in insider trading and hasn't done anything. So... My my question is, will making these things public change anything? Or will we just know how dirty it is? Well, lobbyist currency is knowledge, besides money. So I, my thought process is to give more knowledge to the public on lobbyists. I, I don't think it's going to be the solution for it, but I think it will help. No, I have a crazy solution that's never going to work, but it's kind of like jury duty, a mix of... Elections and jury duty. For lobbyists? No. Well, yes. So, say 
a politician from your district is ruling on the timber industry. The industry will have each company will put forward a list of names of people who they feel they could adequately represent them in their interest, answer questions, and then they'll be flown to Washington. So it'll be like, so say for timber, all the timber companies in my county would put forward a list of foresters who they feel speak well, like behave themselves, or knowledgeable enough to represent them in Congress. And it, it can't be like a high official, like it has to be a dude on the ground. And then the, you know, environmental groups who are against it, they'll put together a list of names they think could represent them. And then names are randomly drawn from a hat. And then they are the ones who either the official goes, comes and talks to them together, or they go and talk to them together. Two sides, two opposing sides, talking at the same time. This that's, that's my official. That's my answer. That only works on a local level. I mean, there's too many counties to do that a large scale. I mean, you could do it by state. If you're doing it by state, Nick, then you'll have Portland in the mix for your district. There's no foresters in Portland. They'll find one. There's, well, it has to be approved by the industry. So here's in my mind how it would work. State of Oregon, passing a lot of new timber legislation coming up. The state, you know, there's uh, there's people working on it right now who are representative of the timber industry, representative, representative of the environmental industry, and they're sitting together hashing this thing out. But what we don't have, and you need that because you need people to understand the big picture. But what I think is most misrepresented in Washington is on-the-ground knowledge. I think you need people from like who do the actual work that is being legislated on, who are knowledgeable about it, who can communicate the issues with the legislation. Because I don't know how many times a law is passed that we ask the state, say, what the fuck does this mean? The state says, we don't know. We have to get back to you. You just passed it. It's been in debated for three years. What do you mean you have to like you have to get back to us? So you need someone who can tell you this is how we interpret this law. Is this what you mean? Like and what that does is it takes the money out of it, right? Like there are people like I would love to, like if the state was like, Hey, the feds were like, Hey, do you want to go and talk about trees and debate someone about trees? Damn, you just got a heart on, didn't you? Brick. So, yeah, I like that is something that I think would be beneficial because the industry is going to have to select someone who's pretty knowledgeable in, in you know, both sides of it, like in, in every side of it. So I'm not even saying that I would get to go, but I'm saying that you want someone who is actually doing this stuff. Okay, so you buy a lobbyist, you give him a list of facts and figures and what you want, and he has to take those facts and figures and convince someone. You send someone who goes there and does it every day, someone who is in the industry, and they can go and say, like, this is what we want to do, or this is why this would be a bad idea. This is how it actually, this is what actually happens. Like, this is day-to-day -day stuff, like, and this is how it would affect us. Someone who could convey that, who knows who those facts and figures aren't just things on a paper, they can put that into words. That is something I want. And I say 
jury duty, not in that it's randomly drawn, because there are people who I don't want to represent my industry. I mean, we have a representative democracy for a reason. You can't have a true democracy at this size. If representative democracy is, if electing representatives is good enough for the federal government, it should be good enough for our interests to be represented, is my thought. Your intentions are good, but I think it can only work small scale. Like you said in the beginning, Nick, think about how many specialists there are, how many businesses there are, how many different industries there are. And then you have to have all the opponents of them too. That... Make less laws. That would probably be easier. Or, uh, to honestly, Nick, I think it would be easier to get political term limits so that way the lobbyists don't have a such a friendly nudge-nudge situation with politicians. I think that would be way easier than yours. Yours is good. Well, that's what they'd have right now, right? Like you have to wait two years after elected office before you can become a lobbyist. True, but think about if I'm working at a business firm on K Street being a lobbyist and I have, I'm dealing with the same client and I'm dealing with the same politician for 20 years, we're going to get to know each other. You're like, come on, help me out with this one. I'll, I'll, I'll be easier this one. Versus, if it was a new politician every six years, every five years, every ten years, you can't do that. I agree with you. It'd be nice to have experts in each industry, both pro and con, discuss and come up laws for their own industry. I think it's a great idea, but it ain't gonna happen. And I don't think you can do it on such a large scale of 360 million people with how many different businesses there are. I agree. It's definitely a lot. And I think, I guess, the, in, I mean, in my ideal world, the government is responsible for less. So they do less. So at that scale, in my ideal world, that would be tough, but not unreasonable. Outside of that, I don't really see solutions. Like you, you talked about making it public. I I don't think anyone, What what's the approval rating of lobbyists, right? It's probably below Congress. I don't think anyone's a huge fan of lobbyists. What if we made lobbyists nonprofit? Like all the nonprofits now that are just ranking in bank? Touche, touche. Never mind. I retract my statement. I, I feel like the heart of the best, I think the jugular for this situation is the money. You cut the money or you make the money harder regulated for this issue, the less influence they have. I think that's the blood and the lifeline. I don't uh, think it's the knowledge. I, mean, I just think, I think the, the real blood and the lifeline is we've dropped the ball on electing decent people is really like in a, in a perfect world, we would elect people who wouldn't be able to be so easily influenced. Right. I mean, that's, you do that and you don't have any problems. Yeah. Yeah. So now the real world. (laughs) Yeah. Answers Mike. Yeah. For solutions. I'll be honest. I don't really got anything except for figure out how to slow the process down. If you can slow the money process and make it less profitable to do so, I think I think that matters. But there was another problem I see, and that one, it concerns me a lot. Like we said, lobbyists are a big currency they have is knowledge to find experts to testify, to get studies bureaucracy organizations can't fund and do. I am concerned of how many lobbyists produce fake studies or just hide, like, they take 30 studies, 29 all say this is a bad idea, but they have one where it says, it's like, a, it's like eh, it's not the worst idea, and they run with that one. How, 
much as lobbyists affected the science in industry because they use, like you said, Nick, statistics can be manipulated. They use the wrong study. They use their own study. They don't really have to back it up. I'll be honest. I've never seen a study research paper from a publicist. Uh, sorry, from a lobbyist. Do they just get their own papers and give it directly to the politicians with no proofreading, no no criticism, no peer review? I've never seen a lobbyist research paper. Well, I'm guessing there's a 0% chance they're giving straight up scientific peer-reviewed papers to politicians. They're giving spark notes. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, but don't it it seems weird to me how our politicians are using knowledge that they don't know where it came from or if it's even good knowledge. Well, and that gets back to the lobbyist argument of that if you give bad knowledge, you'll be kicked out because no one will want to work with you again. I would say it's not bad knowledge if it's bad information. It's bad knowledge if it doesn't get you your next re-election. I think that term bad knowledge is not for the actual knowledge, but if the knowledge gets you caught and kicks you out of your comfy job. That's what I'm thinking what they mean by that term. Yeah. I mean, I think realistically, I do I do like your idea of term limits, minimizing the amount of time spent, right? Because it's lobbying is all about building bonds. Like Oh, your reputation it's, is everything. It's a lot about money, but it's also a lot about the connections you have with people. And when the more time you spent there, the more time, you know, you learn, you know, you become, you know people. When you take politician X, you take him to steak. You don't take him to seafood. You take politician Y, make sure he always gets, his martinis always filled, never empty kind of thing. And we can limit the politicians. I mean, <laughs> in a perfect world. Is there, and and this comes back to the argument about how can we def, how do you define lobbyists? It's so vague. Can we minimize the time people can spend lobbying? I mean, we don't, we don't want. No one wants career politicians, but we have them, and no one wants career lobbyists, but we definitely have them. So, on one hand, right, like lobbying is good because if you 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 have something really important to you, you can take your money, you can give it to them, and you can get something done. This is going to sound very socialist, and I don't know if it's a good idea or a bad idea, but it just popped in my head. What if we were to limit the amount an organization is allowed to spend on lobbyists? Because what, like three, three, in 2019, 30, no, not 34, 3.4 billion got spent, something like that. Why, what if we spent, what if we made cap limits on how much a, Let's just let's not even say all business organizations. Let's just say publicly traded organizations are allowed to spend on lobbying. So let's say ten million dollars is the max a public company is allowed to spend on lobbyists. I wonder if that would change anything. And again, I like I like the idea, but I just think the vagueness of defining lobbyist is just it wouldn't really matter because these people aren't buying lobbyists. They'll buy, you know, whatever's membership program which includes things that sound and look a lot like lobbying but aren't <laughs> looks like a duck quacks like a duck but we're calling it a chicken well if it's lighter than a duck she's a witch she's a witch and then we burn them no i i agree with you one their lawyers are way smarter than we'll ever be in the law 
Well, it's 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 like campaign finance laws. It doesn't matter how many laws we pass, you can't give directly to politicians. Political action committees pop up. You can't and then super PAC. It's all the same. <laughs> like the money hasn't stopped, but how the money gets to where it's going has changed. Really, yeah. we've just made things more complicated. I mean, I don't have any great solutions either besides make less laws and have a system to talk to your elected officials. I mean, I when was the last time you saw an elected official reach out to ask for something from their constituents, the people who they work for, Do to ask their count? opinion? <laughs> so, like, we could bring that back. That could be cool. We could, and again, if we elected people who had character and values and shit then this wouldn't be an issue and we've let the ball slide for far too long and here we are so really at the end of the day it is our fault (laughs) oops so it's hard to like sit here and be like those fucking lobbyists because we let it get to this point yeah don't hate the players hate the game yeah exactly so no i don't have any great solutions and i don't I'm not necessarily, like you said, don't hate the player, hate the game. I'm not necessarily saying lobbyists are bad. I think they're, at points, provide important information to politicians and also do the opposite. So, good and bad. (laughs) Damn if you do, damn if you don't. Yeah. I mean, you're never going to not have lobbyists. That's been proven time and time again. They're every single government in the world, whether they're defined or not. I mean, you can't sit sit here and tell me, even Kim Jong-un doesn't have someone whispering in his ear like, hey, it might be helpful if you didn't kill my family. Well, Kim Jong-un is so perfect, doesn't even poop anymore. I don't know if he needs advisors. Well, e- either way. <laughs> Nothing? No laugh out of that one? Come on. Sorry, I, st- I stifled it. I was trying to keep it going. Yeah, no, There's. you always will need cabinet. You always need advisors. You will always need a connection to the common ear. The question is who has that control of going to the common ear to the leader, that's kind of still up for grabs. I mean, it's it's not. We just established it's whoever has the most money. Most money or the loudest voice? Mm, are those things different? Sometimes. I would say sometimes. What percent of times do you think they're different? 5 to 15. I was going to say 20, but okay. <laughs> Either way, that's not the best. No, it's definitely not. But sometimes the loudest voices aren't the best voices either. Well, I mean, I think we know that that's true. Well, do you have anything else on lobbying, Mike? No, but I want—I do want to say one quote about lobbying that I've been saving and I nearly used in the beginning. I just love it because it's not even from an American. It's from a British race car driver, Brian Redman. If you can't drink a lobbyist whiskey, take his money, sleep with his woman, and still vote against him in the morning. You don't belong in politics. And boy, that should say a lot about our politicians. But out of curiosity, Nick, if people had their own solutions on how to fix lobbying or what lobbyist group they like, where could they reach us? You can hit us up on Reddit and Instagram. Send us a message about which lobbyist group that you like, I guess, or with your solutions, probably more important. And out of curiosity, what book are you reading, Nick? I switched back over to Roland Enos's Trees, How Wood Shaped Society and Civilization, and wanted some lighter reading for my weekend, and uh, 
still plugging through that pretty good. Uh, what about you, Mike? What are you reading? I'm still reading Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, and I have to say, boy, war has changed a lot in the past 20 years. It is very night and day from when the towers fell to where we are now. And on that happy note, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.